0: Welcome to episode number 23 of the NFP podcast presented by 3D Entertainment. The NFP podcast is brought to you by Sneaky Weasel Lager and Hey Y'all Southern Ice Tees, the official alcohol sponsor of the show. As well, our official clothing sponsor, Wrangler. Long live Cowboys. What's up, everybody? Back with another episode number 23. Hitting them off. This here is another episode of the Bullfighting Cowboy Protection portion of our show pretty excited to have that before we get into all the current events and and all the shit that's going on in the
1: world i'll introduce
0: everybody jason davidson's back how you doing
1: oh lt what's up man you know what uh number 23 eh yep, yep. oh show, shout out to number 23 past guest killer kaminsky yep uh, yeah Speaking of killer Kaminsky, I wonder how, what he thinks of the whole Tom Wilson episode that's going on. I don't know. Have you guys checked the news out on that?
0: No, what's going down? I seen you went oh, a little spaz the other night. With the,
1: oh, rapper right off the nutty bar. Body slime. It was like a freaking scene out of WWF last <laughs> night. And he gets a $5,000 fine. That's it. That is it. Really? And Aaron is done for the season. They said. Yeah. Well, I would think the way he yeah. went down on the ice. Yeah, it's all over East Trend and all over Twitter. You can check it out. Wow. Uh former tough guy John Scott just came out and asked if George Peros, who's uh in charge of player safety, he's yeah. like, I don't know, does he have some skin in the game or some money on the line for Washington to win the cup? Because this is just it's it's brutal how was handled. So yeah, yeah, a lot of backlash about that. We'll
0: see. All righty, Scotty Burns here too. How are you doing, Scott?
1: I'm good, guys. Good guys. Good to see you again. Your smiling faces,
0: tearing it up uh as well today. Joined <laughs> for our bullfighting cowboy protection episode, the one and only Jesse Byrne comes on to share some of his opinions on the whole realm of the bullfighting cowboy protection NFP podcast style. Jesse Byrne, how you doing?
2: good good man last time must not have been too bad if you're having me back so it's nice <laughs> to see you guys Good <laughs> okay,
0: right. yeah we'll have you back anytime thanks for thanks for joining us how you been doing
2: good man been loving it. it's been keeping up on all the podcasts it's been uh keeping me entertained keeping me in the loop so just getting by trying to make a living in this crazy world
0: Mm-hmm. So we're joined by Rob Smets today. We'll, we'll go to our interview with Rob here in a little bit. Uh, legend in the game, one of the best bullfighters to ever strap cleats on that all of us here on this podcast have the utmost respect for. And Such a cool story of, of ups and downs, but uh, we'll get into him in a minute. But first, the breaking news in the Western lifestyle world is the rodeo that happened just outside of Bowden, Alberta. Ty North got uh, northcott rodeo incorporated puts on uh what they call it scott the uh rodeo, no rally? More rodeo yeah. rally no more no more lockdowns rodeo is what they yeah. call it and uh open it up to the public defied all rules of alberta health and safety of of gatherings and and all that sort of stuff said fuck it we're doing our own rodeo invited people out to come and and uh Obviously, it's a tie Northcott deal because it was all cash, which cracked me up. Holy fuck, that guy loves dealing in cash. Um, <laughs> but uh, had about 2,000 people at, at in attendance. Uh, Scott, you got some insights on it. Can you share kind of what went on there?
1: Yeah, I was just talking with uh, Dennis Halsted, who a uh, professional rodeo clown who actually worked there. Um, he said it was the most amazing thing to be involved with just with what's been going on in this crazy world for the last 16 months or 18 months. And he said roughly a thousand people per day, um, went off without a hitch. The only thing they had was, uh, I think the RCMP showed up one day and asked, uh, Ty if he had had a permit. He said, I didn't know I had to have one and they left and that was the end of it. But, um, he said, you know, Ty talked at the end of the, of the deal and, he said, I'm not doing this uh, to defy COVID and to, vi- to defy rules. He said, I'm doing it to stay alive. I'm, I'm losing everything here as, as well as, you know, everybody else in this industry, the entertainment industry and and the Western events industry. And they said it was amazing. He said people came and camped and and, and laughed and listened to music and whatever else. But uh, it was, uh, Dennis said it was just refreshing to hear it and see it. So, it was, uh, sounded like it was a great weekend.
0: Yeah. So the, what I've found with it is there's hugely divided opinions on it. It's either you're hundred percent for it or a hundred percent fucking against it. And, uh, it, it's pretty wild to see how divided our, our, country is and our western lifestyle is there's Mm -hmm. you don't know what what people think or or how they are going to respond to it obviously thousands of people were for it thousands of people were against it uh what do you think jason as a as a producer and a guy that's trying to put on events what do you think of what went on there
1: well uh, i got mixed feelings with it um for obvious reasons you know i uh i'm not in a position where i could go do something that like that and professional bull riders at a liability or um, in a position where we would be shut down as a business um you know we're at the mercy of uh we're at the mercy of government in some regard because we can't uh we can't sell tickets right now right we can't have these gatherings so um it was you know i'm not gonna lie i was certainly paying attention on social media what was going on there and uh you know, uh, I'm happy that they, they they were able to pull it off and, no, you know, there was no, nobody was hurt. And when I say nobody was hurt, like there was no altercations, which, uh, you know, forced any, uh, like where it got pretty violent if they, if you have the wrong protesters, Like you watch some of the stuff that's gone on, even in Innisfail when they had the uh, the BLM deal, A year ago, you know, there was some pushing and shoving and stuff, which there was none of that. So I was glad to see that none of that went on. But uh, do you think this will light the fire under other people's asses to try and do the same thing? Do you think it's, you know, it takes one to kind of start it. Do you think other people are going to follow suit? Well, I think sanctioning bodies like the professional bull riders or the Canadian Professional Rodeo Association still have to wait on sanctions to be lifted or rules to be lifted. If you want to go ahead and do uh, events on your own property and do what tied it I, I could see that happening. Yeah right. I think that that probably will instigate some stuff and and then a whole bunch a whole bunch more backlash from uh, from the you know the lockdown people. Um, but what I don't get is how long do people want to be locked down for? they're usually the ones that are getting a paycheck. I would think
0: I guess I think it'll yeah, come we down. Can, we to, can only do
1: so. We can only do so many podcasts. podcasts. A week. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: think well, it's uh, going to come down to what Alberta health and safety maybe does or, or what happens to, to tie or, or to the Northcott family now that they've done this. So I read today that they put out a thing that Alberta health safety is reviewing it and we'll, you know, hand out fines or we'll see what goes on. So we'll see if it gets swept under the rug, if he gets a fine, it, what you know, it's going to, we'll see what the repercussions are for it. And and then I think people will start to decide after that, see what happens to him, if, and then they can make their own decisions on events that they might
1: want to have. I don't know. But I think it goes back to, you know, we've talked about this before on on other podcasts. If you want to go and wear a mask not wear a mask. If you choose out of those thousand, two thousand people you choose to go then on a private property, then go let it happen. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you don't stay home.
0: And the, the, the flip side of that is people saying that you obviously haven't had anybody affected by it, or you have, you don't have a nurse or a doctor in your family that has Mm -hmm. the, the ICUs and all that stuff backed up. But like, I would not be against, going to an event like that, signing a paper that says if I get sick, I will not fucking go to the hospital. I will not clog up yeah. your ICUs. I will yeah. not uh, do this to, to other people or put it on other people. I will handle it all. If I die, I fucking die at this point. You know, I, I don't, in that sense of it, I think um, like we say, if you want to go and do it, go do it. And, and the other people are going to say, well, look at the repercussions. It's not about you. It's about everybody else. Mm-hmm. But in the other sense of it too, you guys, we had, we were supposed to do this so that the the elderly and stuff wouldn't get affected by it and and those that are um have immune systems that can't handle it right so we didn't see my grandmother for what a year and a half because we didn't want to make her sick what happens she passes away from old age and that whole year we didn't get to spend with her because we were trying to stay away from her. So we just wasted a whole fucking year of being able to visit yeah. with her and hang out with her. So we're afraid of uh, this disease that could kill somebody when in reality, we're not living our lives and people are dying anyway. And you wasted all that fucking time being able to see them and visit with them and talk with them. So hundred percent. there's both ends to this. That is, is totally brutal. And who knows? We'll see what happens with, with, with Ty and, and with this whole scenario. And, Uh, the big uproar on social media was the Canadian Pro Rodeo Association. The CPRA put out a statement saying and half kind of condemning Ty for for doing it and saying that uh, they had nothing to do with it. And it's really kind of blowing back in their face right now with with everybody saying, why would you have to say that? Why do you come out with that? I think they're trying to show Alberta health and safety and the people that are putting out the regulations that, that they're not attached to it. And they're still trying to do it the right way that they think is the right way and they had nothing to do with it, but it's really got people against them. I think
1: I don't think it needed to be said though, because they aren't doing anything right now. They're not trying to have any events. I mean, nothing that we've heard of yet. Um, I don't, I don't think there was anything that needed to be said to, to set them apart from that. That's what I'm scratching my head
2: about. But uh, I think it's funny. It's like, it's classic. You're trying to avoid, looking a certain way and, you know, avoid backlash by putting on some sort of front that you're not a certain thing. And then in the end, you still get backlash, right? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, just worry about doing you and uh, the rest will be what it is. So, well, okay. and, and we're like, let's just
1: basically say we're the middle of May coming up on us quick. Is there going to be any events again this year? Not looking good, Come not on. looking good you know so
0: we seem to be uh, worse off than we were this time your, last year
1: we are we are yeah we are we are the cure can't be worse than a disease you guys heard that one before it's just, yeah.
2: and that's a fact
1: you yeah. know
2: i think to like to me the <clears throat> it, the whole thing kind of just speaks to a bigger problem with our entire healthcare system and and spending a lot of time in the us i always had can or us guys asking about Canadian healthcare system you know thinking that it's so great and grand but um what to me what's carrying this whole thing on is just the the overwhelmed nature of our entire healthcare system and unless something happens about that um whether it's COVID or the next variant we'll be in this situation forever so um as far as the as far as ties event goes and stuff you know I think I think you said it Scott. it's it's a drastic measure he feels like that's you know what it's come to he's not gonna be able to go on another day yeah. without doing something like that so you know at times like this causes people to have to act in selfish manners and saying that affects others in in various ways that uh, we're probably yet to see but I can't you know I can't find a side in it I feel like I'm in the middle and and not sure if, where to go it's kind of like a a stuck mode yeah Yeah, it's confusing and it's frustrating that's very
0: frustrating
1: i'm with you jess it's just like i don't know what to do anymore right i just yeah
0: so here's some comments on our on our on our nfp page on facebook so you guys go over there and, and follow all that stuff and we'll be sharing all the news that comes along with with ty's rodeo here but so i share we shared the the statement from the cpra and here's the dividedness between it right here's uh joanne marshall i think everyone is right if that's a possibility i see that folks mental health is on the decline at a fast and steady rate and they need connection more than anything we lost someone this february due to suicide and i'm not 100 percent it could have been avoided in normal times but I also live in Edmonton and go for appointments and watch military medic helicopters practice landing on hospital roofs. I had a friend contract COVID and have to be hospitalized. And I truly worried that he wasn't going to make it. Jim Lawrence, the decision by the CPRA to announce they are not affiliated with the Bowdoin rodeo was obviously a calculated decision. This event did create a platform to draw attention to the plight that the rodeo sports slash business is currently enduring due to the government restrictions enforced throughout Canada. Pro Rodeo Canada lost a great opportunity to send that message. So it goes on and on and on. And, and yeah. it's one person with it, one person against it. It's it's the, the big pandemic right now is the dividedness in our country and how nobody yeah. knows what's right and what's wrong. It's wild. Yeah. But fuck it let's move on before we get too, down, <laughs> yeah. too deep down the rabbit hole uh, but yeah you know you got to go into it because that's that's the big news right right now so we'll yeah. see what plays out and uh we'll see what goes on but our guest today rob Smets. this is a Bull fighting episode like we, we talked before jesse uh did you fight with rob or was he gone by the time you came in on tour well he
2: he was retired by the time i came in but uh one day at the PBR finals, day one, uh, there was an extra bag in the locker room. And we <laughs> it was Joe, Shorty, Frank, and I, and then uh, this extra gear bag. And we we're all trying to figure out, you know, who, which bull rider had thrown their shit in there, what was going on. And then here come Rob rolling in. And he said, I'm back for one more <laughs> <laughs> like what yeah he, <laughs> fought, he fought one bull right he fought well one yeah bull. so uh him and lambert came to some sort of deal where it wasn't going to be the whole day it was going to be um the first section i guess i think is what it was so we got uh got to get around one together and and so that was that was pretty cool that was a highlight and then as rob progressed into the announcing side of things we worked a lot of uh touring pros together and stuff like that. So it's been pretty cool. I can honestly say Rob Rob was certainly
1: influential even before I knew him. Uh, he was one of those guys you wanted to be like, you know, a five-time world champion. That's that's yeah. what we grew up wanting to be and be like him. Oh, for sure. Yeah, watching all those old bullfights and stuff. I never really got to work with them. Of course, I spent most of my career up here in Canada. And, and I say people... He has a good scenario why he never ended up in Calgary. So, um, (laughs) you know, no, I never really got to step around one with him, but it it would have been cool. Don't get me wrong. It sure was uh, the other, you know, just to see him on those old tapes was pretty wild. You know, I don't know if there's ever going to be another experience like that for a group of guys. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, I just grew up watching them, but never got to
0: it. Yeah, I think those guys back in the day, had a few Hey Y'all Southern Iced Teas. <laughs> hey Y'all Southern Iced Teas. Our tea is always served iced and hard. This vodka-based iced tea is brewed with our genuine black tea and lightly sweetened. Enjoy a Hey Y'all Southern Iced Tea while taking in the main bull riding event or sipping a cold one on the porch. Hey Y'all Southern Iced Teas, the official refreshment beverage of the NFP podcast. So, what well, Scott? I, I would I would like to
1: say that I did get to hear firsthand stories from like uncle Ryan. Cause he was right in the, you know, the mix when that all was going down. So as a kid, you know, it was pretty, pretty exciting to sit in the truck and go to the next pasture, or whatever we were doing and hear some of those stories. It was, I was lucky that way. Let's put it to you, put it to yeah. you like that.
0: Yeah, most definitely. You guys, I would like to ask you this question too, since this is the bullfighting uh, episode, um, who's your favorite team to work with over all the years? And I know you guys work together and stuff like that. So you, you could, you can say each other, but don't be pussies and fucking don't go there. But what's uh who, who is the easiest that you ever had had to work with, whether it be the three man team or two man team, who'd you like working with the most?
1: Oh, def, def TJ and Scott for sure. Um, Cause that's who I work the most with. You know, I learned with TJ um, and you know, we never ever had a problem running into each other, or fighting over who did what. And then when Scott started with me, I think you, uh, I think you adapt um, with the guys you learn with. And then you got to get in the arena with your dad. And then that's always, Jesus, that was always fun. Just making sure you didn't get your ass cussed for something, which <laughs> it ha- it happened all the time. Actually, <laughs> actually, Ooh. the first time we did three men. The first time we did a three-man, Scott, would have been you and I and Ryan in Vancouver. Yeah, just Remember? for the record, you got your ass fucking chewed out when that deal oh. was done. <laughs> Okay. Okay. But now that we're we're on here, uh-huh. we uh, y- whose side are you on with that? I, I was... I, fuck, I don't know. It was pretty Boy, intense. That, <laughs> it was pretty <laughs> that was intense. Story. What happened? <laughs> Let's
0: go. Quick, what quick, happened?
1: Here. Quick. Yeah. Quit, quit, stuttering, Scott. Okay, we were working the three man. We got to do the Bud Light Cup in Vancouver. Yes. Jerome Robinson hired us to go, which was awesome. Like, yes. we were we were standing in front of the greatest bull riders in the world, Tough and yeah. Adriano, uh, Cody Lambert. Fournier won the event, and it was in the championship round. we it was it was it went well, um, but that's when that third guy would would stand up high along the fence, you know. And, uh, I think it was, uh, Oh, that little Brindle of Harvey's and a short fuse, sorry, short fuse. And, um, he bucked somebody off and threw him out to the middle and I just come off the fence and stepped through and it was might've been the second or third last of the night. And then, you know, it was, all you're, you're done. Everybody, no wrecks. I think you know, we did a good job. We get in the dressing room and then here, in comes the guy in the pink. Well, holy fuck. <laughs> he chewed my ass. Chewed my ass. Scott didn't talk. I didn't talk. I think all I did was try to fight back tears because I hadn't been lectured like I haven't. I hadn't been lectured like that since I was probably 12 years old by my old man. Yeah. And uh, and Scott comes up to me after this "You did. he was going to get hooked if you didn't go." Well, there. <laughs> I, I I would like to take it from here. And and it was yeah. a, com- a, com- a combination of things. First of all, like you said, we were on the biggest stage and fighting the biggest four of the biggest bull riders at that time. And I mean, the three man system he did. We were put up the wall for that very fucking reason. And if your dad was sitting here beside me, I would say the say the same thing. Jason did do the right thing. I think in the heat of the battle and the stage that we we're on, maybe maybe Unki Ryan was just didn't want to get showed up a little bit by these peons <laughs> that were out there with them. But he, I mean, I don't even remember the night other than Tough Headman cussed me, shit his pants, and wiped his ass with my towel. I don't know, <laughs> right? So uh, when Ryan blew, when Ryan blew through them doors, I was like, "Holy fuck, what is going on here?" And and Jason's right, he he took it to heart and, and I would have in the <laughs> same spot too, you know, but, uh, uh, JD, I, I will, I will give you this one. You were, you definitely did what you were supposed to do in that situation. So
0: no, we'll have we're, sure
1: we're going we'll sure to hear the backlash. Sean, yeah, on it yeah.
0: Oh yeah. We'll get her. We'll get him on here. We'll get the <laughs> other side of it too. I was talking <laughs> yeah. to him the other day. He's going to come on. He wants to do it in person. So we'll, we'll light up. Nice. We'll all fucking do her up. But, uh, Jess, what about you? What, who is, uh, you know, it's not necessarily like the best, that you've worked with but just somebody or people that you jive with kind of thing or, or maybe they just kind of fight that same um style as you do right there's obviously guys that don't mix right Pit bulls for sure. like Smets talks with miles when they first fight together fucking two ego men going at her and didn't do good until they figured it out right so jesse what about you
2: yeah i think i count myself like very very fortunate for having worked with great bullfighters like from the get go, you know, obviously sprinkle in some other experiences throughout, but for the, for the most part, um, I really had a great guy standing across from me every time. So it, it gave me that peace of mind going into things prior, you know, prior to that being solo was a whole different ball game, but, um, two man system, it's definitely Scott, um, never did work with Jason. I don't think you and I ever got a chance to, to work together. Um, oh yeah.
1: In a As- in Asquith in about nineteen ninety-six, you were the sheep fighter. Yeah. <laughs> and Jason pro and Jason probably cut you off then too. <laughs> yeah. that cool. Not bad. Your three, yeah. Even
0: though Jess would have been like you everybody always talks about you, Frank, and and shorty That was you guys were the golden years for a long time there, right? yeah
2: we did we had a really good trio and and uh once the the three-man system really got developed and um that's what we were constantly rolling with uh each and every guy being in the action for for every bull so it wasn't so much of the third guy kind of being up the wall and and there for backup kind of thing he was an always an active role with each and every person so um it took some adjusting but definitely three-man um, Joe, Shorty, Frank, and I—we'd rotate through um, those couple of years. It was it was fantastic. And then, you know, when Joe retired, it was constantly Shorty and Frank and I, and we kind of all just brought something a little bit different to the picture, and uh, we're able to just hone in on strictly the protection side of things, and that—that's where it really, I think, got specific. Was uh, nothing extra, just doing the job, being preventative and, uh, you know, letting the bulls be the bulls, letting the guys do their thing and and just trying to prevent a, a wreck. So, you know, I loved I loved that role. That's to me was was money. I remember having that conversation with you,
1: Jess, when the three man system went from the guy up the wall and actually three guys being protectors at the same time. Um, instead of that third guy just kind of waiting it out till he had to come in, and you did say it—it it was a—it was a tough adjustment, and to, you know, like we always talk about one guy, two guy, three guy, to know where that where all well, not only did the third guy fit in, but where the first and second guy were in that whole rotation,
2: right? Yeah, exactly. It's like the the blessing and the curse all at the same time, where you can cover you know more ground, you don't have to take that long shot out to, to get to the gap in the middle of the arena when when you've got three guys. But at the same time, you're that much closer to one another. So you've got to, like, say, have that faith or trust in your teammate mm-hmm. that if you, if you switch things up or if you roll in a certain direction, that they're going to give you the room to be able to, to do that sort of thing and not be crossing you up. Do you remember who was kind of the first guy to maybe, we'll say, instigate
1: Three guys actually being protectors at the same time instead of waiting up the I
2: don't that's a it's a good question. I feel like um my initial inst- my initial instinct is to say that it came from somebody's ego not wanting to be the guy out you know wall. what I mean? Yep. Yeah, you just you just but it was like were. Jason <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Yeah, Jason, you started it back in Vancouver apparently. Yeah. <laughs> but but we all know how it is. You try you know, you're supposed to be out and you're standing there, you can't help yourself, but yes, you know, it's the instinct to, to get in there. And and so it it got to the point, yeah, where it was always always three guys getting in, and then we all of a sudden we got to the finals in, in vegas world finals they they started hiring four people because it was two arenas um and it was always supposed to be a three-man system and even now to this point we get into the, into it where it's a four-man system at times which which i'm not a fan of at all um but i think three three is plenty but i
3: i sure had a lot of fun
2: in two also with with you scott i mean we had I feel like we had a system worked out on, on that 50, yeah. 50 team where it was just like, there wasn't many days where I felt like, you know, we were put in a position where there wasn't something we could do about it. I agree. I was always a fan of the two in
1: one out, two in one out with the third guy, the guy out knowing full well, he was still in the, in the party. But yeah. I just felt it was easier to know where you were or vice versa without that third guy floating around. But I mean and I retired really before the three. Like like Tanner, when you guys work together now at our events up here, uh, you're all in pretty much all three, hey. Eh?
0: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, we're just rolling, and it it the different guys you work with, and I know Mm -hmm. Jesse, you can attest to this. You got to adjust every every time. Two men, you're you just fucking go right. Mm There's two guys, you're going all the time. There's a lot of woeing up and and knowing having trust in that other guy that he's gonna. You you can see that gap, but that's not your gap to go and take, and you have to trust that your partner to be there and do it. And then, you know, you can be tripping over each other and all that shit. So like you say, egos are, are a huge part of it and who you're fighting with changes as how that three man system works. Cause it's a lot of give and take and peripherals of, of who's coming and who's going. Right. So uh, yeah. in that sense, it's a lot different, but when you're rolling um, like grand Prairie, I think we finally really honed in on our, on our skills as the three of us. And it was just, that was
1: rank. That, that was rank.
0: Just, it was just dead on. Right. There was no, yeah. Nobody having to woe up or nobody cutting anybody else off. Everybody kind of had that feel finally. And hopefully we can, we keep that rolling. But like I say, it is different with with different guys.
1: I kind of, I kind of have a funny story. I taught a school early this spring and, you know, we, we work the two man system. That's the, that's the basics of it all. I had a student look at me first day, haven't fought a bull yet. He goes, so are we going to learn how to work the three and four man system?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Like,
1: more people out here <laughs> yeah i'm like shit man how about we just get the two-man system down first <laughs> and the three and four could be next year you know but it does yeah. it, it it gives those kids when they watched on tv once again though you guys uh you make it look easy but you gotta walk before you can run right yep. you gotta yeah. walk before you can run
0: yes you know right communication out there because <laughs> instead of you know sometimes it can go the wrong way or somebody cuts you off and and you just got to have that conversation with your partners of like okay hey, what the fuck do you want me to do out here are you gonna yeah. do that all night because then i'm gonna have yeah. to speak below you come underneath or we're gonna have to figure something else out because it's not gonna work that way instead of just being mad at each other and not talking about it you know as soon as uh, something <laughs> happens you gotta <laughs> fucking
1: figure it I, out i was gonna say or the infamous the look across and like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly yeah. yeah yeah but it is no, conversation, I, right jess got to be on the same, got to be on the same page. It just, like I say, it just makes it so much more difficult than it ever needs to be if, Mm -hmm. if somebody is operating on a, on a different wavelength. But, um, I think it was a great point you made, Tanner, about like, you know, knowing when, knowing when to be active and knowing when to, to woe up, you know, like the three-man system will really, really show you who's got peripheral vision, like you said, because even to this day I'll watch um, top level bullfighters be very situationally unaware so to me like that's that's one of my I feel like one of my strongest assets is that I I have good situational awareness and I'm not gonna try and engage the bull on every ride I guarantee I guarantee you that I see zero point in that and engaging a bull when you're on the same side or same tracks as a rider is is creating difficulty so um you know when you're in a triangle there's going to be constantly situations come up where the bull rider is is in your lane and you've got to have faith and trust and respect for your teammate or your teammates that they're going to engage on that offside and then you can worry about taking them away from from your teammates so that that's the key to me as well we said. talk to well it's said. yeah
0: that's that's 100 well said because we've all talked about it on here too it's you know just gate lots of times when you're engaging when you're not supposed to be engaging you're just causing that wreck you know and and yeah. you might look like a hero to some people because you get the fucking shit hooked out of you but that bow rider gets hooked yeah. too and all yeah. you had to do was just not fucking engage and let that triangle two other guys do the work and yeah there's lots of that that goes on and we talk about that with egos as well too that's this is more i
1: remember i remember working the two-man system and being concerned about my partner running over me a couple different ones over the years what i'm not gonna throw names out but it happened you know yeah there's no need for that it's it's dangerous enough out there you don't have to worry about some with with cleats running you over Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, see, and I—I mean, that's to me, that's it. Less is more has has been my motto uh, from day one, and something that I feel like I've hung on to. I still have today. Um, But it's hard. It's hard as a bullfighter to to really live that because people don't people don't understand it. I mean, the best, some of the best bullfighters in the world don't even understand it. So um, the people that are Sitting back, judging on from the outside, even the the bull riders making the decisions at the end of the year don't necessarily understand that that less is more at times. So um, it's an easy trap to to fall into that you know got to do more, got to be seen, got to constantly be dominating the bull. Well, I mean, for what? I don't. I don't yeah. get it. it. It's just like. Um, they don't call it professional bullfighters it's professional bull riders. And we're just the supporting act, you know, we're there to facilitate the best bull riding in the world, not to, not to be in the spotlight. So. See, exactly. So they can continue on for the next weekend and the weekend
1: after that, that is, that yeah. should have been the priority. I always said, I always said back in the day, because I was lucky enough to have the opportunity for the wrangler Bullfights. And it was a huge opportunity. It was my segue to get in front of the CPRA bull rider. There was no PBR back then. So it was my opportunity to get in front of Glenn Keeley, Wade Joyle, Quentin Lowry, you know, Daryl Mills. And, and I've said it to a few guys, if you guys want to do that, I'll make a call to Ryan. I'm sure he'll run one of them Mexicans in for you if that's what you want. Because, you know, it's fun to, you know, play around with some, but doing it every time one, sticks its head out to shoot I, I i that's overkill to me well Braden did a little bull riding here a couple of weeks back and uh you know he, he, he did okay but he he said uh he made a round with the bull just because he had to and then he just peeled his way out of there his, uh his partner peeled him off him, and he come back to the shoots and i said good job or whatever and he goes well dad what do you always tell me the best bullfighters in the world are the one you don't see out there, the smooth guy. And I'm like, man, you get it. That's what it's all about. That's.
0: Yep, I agree, Scott. That's that's very well said, uh, Jesse. Well, and
1: t- Tanner, to that note too, like in this occupation, you're gonna have a chance somewhere along the line to show what you're made of and that you have brass balls and and have to take a shot or you have to, you know, Mm -hmm. get through that that gap or that hole. Yeah. It'll come, it'll come. But when you're creating those opportunities, I think you're, you're doing the the profession a disservice. I, that's how I always felt. I just, you know, and, and let's, let's be honest. Bull riders don't always see it the way we did as bullfighters. No, and uh, you know, someone taking a hook and doesn't mean they're doing a good job because okay. i saw plenty of those i saw plenty of those over the years that were completely unnecessary so what happens if you break your leg then what a you know especially back in the one man system then what do those guys do you don't have Wade Marsh. You don't have Wade on around anymore to jump off the shoots and fight the rest of the bulls for you. In the section.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. You do, you're trying to be a fucking hero, and then you wreck yourself out, and then you're done, and then you're not yeah. helping anybody, and not being able to do the job that you were hired for in the first place. So, yeah, there's a time and a place, and and that's gonna come to you. You don't have to fucking make that happen though like you say those times will come and then you could prove yourself when the opportunity comes arise but the guys that are yeah. out there looking for them and uh, making them happen that's not what you want to be doing so no there, theres a, yeah there's a place
2: for them it's called the yeah. BFO or the UFB <laughs> yeah. uh are we okay. talking pet thieves is this what's happened because but- I got more yeah let's yeah, go let's 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 what we got you on for <laughs> no but i guess honestly yeah but there is a time and place and, and uh I, I don't know pet peeve number two i guess if i'm on number two is is parking your ass in the hole and and getting run over on the same tracks as the bull rider i've never understood that like that's kind no. of all in line with what we're talking about it's it's like you stop on the same tracks as the the rider and get run over as he gets stomped out and run over. So do you, what's the benefit? Not sure. Not sure, but, but it sure will garnish some attention. (laughs) And then beyond that, it's a bullfighter that will after a bull riding's over or after, you know, a guy doesn't hang up, they'll be disappointed that they didn't get to do more work oh man, I, yeah you know well I've I've seen it at all levels and it's just like are you kidding are you kidding me like I, I'm, I'm I don't know if I'm the one that's crazy but I'm out here cheering for the riders to stay on and for everybody to just get off on their feet and yeah. high five me on the way
1: by and we'll call yeah. it a night yeah I never ever minded a <laughs> performance where all I did was pick up bow ropes yeah. It paid. it paid all right, you know, per rope. It, it some days it worked <laughs> yeah. out pretty good. Especially especially out in Morris when there's only four guys and you're picking up that that four hundred dollar per check, right?
4: Hundred dollars per
1: rope. For the yeah, for the thirty seconds you weren't drunk. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, yeah, that was, yeah. Well, I wasn't That's going
4: it.
0: that far. I wasn't going that far. <laughs> <laughs> it all kind of fits in the same line of of what you know right and wrong it's fucking very simple yeah.
1: those guys you're talking about jesse too they you wanted to throw punch him at the time but really their <laughs> career never never really went anywhere either you know you can't sulk and feel sorry for yourself because you're not the fucking hero get out there and be a team member and do the job and those guys usually they sorted themselves out and the good guys rose rose to the top so
2: yep. yeah that was always one thing that uh i you know in the schools that i have done it's just like Right off the bat, let's get this let's get this straight. This is a a job that should be done for the right reasons. Because, well, we all know what can come with it. So, if you know if you're doing it for a reason like that, I, I really don't think that uh, the reward you're looking for is going to be there. And quite often, the consequence shows up, like you say.
0: Sure, hundred yeah, percent. Okay. Well, we're uh we'll get. To- to Rob's interview here right away. We're running long, but when you got a guy like Jesse Martin <laughs> joining the intro, God damn. Yeah, that's right.
1: That's right. That's, yeah, that's
0: right. That's right. He's got a fucking <laughs> ripper. Uh, a couple updates on the weekend. Cooper Davis takes the event win. Where were they at this weekend? Omaha, Nebraska? They
1: Correct? were,
0: yeah. Yep. Cooper Davis. Boom. Big win. He's back in the game. Gets hot and, and, again.
1: And had to ride his ass off, too.
0: Yep. Like, don't, don't
1: go by me. That yep. looked like a lot yep. of work.
0: Yeah, he was doing it. Here's, yeah, when he's hot, fuck, he's rolling. I'm yeah. proud of Cooper this year. He's going to make a good run for that world title against guys like Kaike Pacheco and Jose Vitor Leme, who does some work again this weekend, sticks it on a few. I'm legit, too. Ended up being the bowl of the event with the high score of the event. Uh, moves himself into number one in the world. Jose does again. So back in familiar territory. Be a good race between those top guys this year. That's For sure, Red Clark gets his butt rode. Finally, his unwritten streak is over. So we'll see how he bounces back. Jeremy Walker had a thing on there about how uh, the best ones usually come back better after they get rode. So uh, Billings is his next out. So we'll see. We'll have to keep an eye on that see how that bull handles getting rode for the first time. But a guy like Denner Barbosa, I wanted to touch on that. Rides a bull like Red Clark. It's never been rode. Uh, I watched that guy ride stone sober. He rides uh, fucking talking smack the other weekend. That's kind of how fucked up the, the judging system is. That guy's rode the hardest bulls in the world, best rides. He doesn't have great style. He doesn't look good on the back of him and just flies under the radar. But that guy is unreal. He's in the world title race now, probably won't win because of that, that riding style that he has. He'll stay on more, but he he's not going to be as many points, but fucking hats off to that guy holy man he can ride bulls well
1: if you stay on enough of them they're gonna have to give you the buckle
0: yeah yeah like and uh, not the easy ones right jess you've seen it over the years
2: yeah you're right tanner like he's he's definitely flying under the radar because uh, he's not a, a guy i would have brought up in that conversation of of world champion but like you say those bulls that he's knocked down and put scores up on the board it's just like something that only a world champion would do so you, you know i think by all means he's got it in him he just he just ru- he runs that arm free arm down a little lower than them other guys and, and doesn't you know come with the hell marys maybe it, it, to to really show out but damn yeah, sure full of talent it's crazy.
1: Yeah. Such a he's, good go start, he's going to start
2: he's gonna start kicking his
1: helmet. I'm telling
0: you. <laughs> he did, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, oh yeah. He's yeah,
2: taking he a page out of his book, man. It's yeah, happening. man. Uh,
0: that's <laughs> gold. Yeah, so keep an eye on that guy, the, the sleeper. So he's always gonna be in the mix. He's such a good bull rider. Uh but what's next, Jess? Billings is next on the, this is the weekend off this weekend, and then Billings?
2: Yeah, Billings is the next one. I think that. I don't is there a 15-15 there as well? I think it's a big week for the boys, six six bulls possibly in three days. So well, um yeah. some Canadian bulls too. Yeah, some Canadian, some Canadian bulls Nansen's going. Down. going.
0: Yep. Yeah. Nansen's rolling down there, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. And for those that are listening in, Jess, where where are you at on your, your scheduling? People have been wondering you were Gonna come back the border this COVID situation Canadian stuff's kind of messing with everybody. But what's your what's your plans here now?
2: Breaking news as of today, I'm no longer um, gonna be in Billings. So that was my I was hopeful to to return for that, but um, yeah, I just haven't been able to to get everything lined out to make the move across across the line and get back to work in the U.S. So um, uh, yeah, I think it'll be. As of, as of now, the next one on the UTV schedule will be June in Las Vegas. So, uh, yeah, looks like that'll probably be my return south. So
0: so yeah. you're still kicking then is what you're saying. Look out. <laughs> coming back, baby. Still
2: kicking. Just, yeah. just at home studying, doing my homework. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's good. Oh, good. Ready, getting body fresh.
0: We enjoy having you on here whenever we can get you on, but we'll enjoy it more when we're watching you do your do your job on TV. So uh, we appreciate you coming back on, and like I said, we'll be fucking cheering you on uh, once you once you get back going down there. We're all looking forward to that. Um, Good, appreciate it. Hell yeah! With that, we'll go to our uh, interview with Rob Smets. but first, breaking news, everybody. This important public service announcement is brought to you by manscaped.com. This is your pubic service (laughs) announcement. And the news you've all been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer which is now available for purchase there you go scott in the usa and canada this new trimmer was just released only moments ago and we are one of the first to get our hands on it and share the news join over 2 million men worldwide who trust manscape with this exclusive offer for you 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code nfp20 at manscape.com so Scott, you, you showed it there for our YouTube listeners, the 4.0, the newest trimmer. Uh, we're one of the first people to to have this and, uh, it's unreal yeah the 3.0 was good look out here comes the 4.0 the advanced ceramic blade and skin safe, te- skin safe technology is so good that it almost seems as if manscaped worked with elon musk's engineers to ensure your testes are as safe as possible
1: <laughs> <laughs> the 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 lt tells us that it even gets through the red ones which we know they're a little bit more coarse
0: <laughs> yeah they're pretty coarse uh, pretty so, Yeah, pretty I
1: tell, afro i tell you what manscaped's getting so good the next one is going to be able to do it itself like it just, <laughs> you'll just cut it loose and it's like it. that it's like that vacuum cleaner you turn on and it just drives around eh? it's, just going be a little, it's going to be a little disc that you start right at your belly button and just hit a
0: button. just let it roll yeah uh what oh, makes this trimmer different than all the other trimmers <laughs> a new multi-function on-off switch can engage a travel lock created to for people who like to travel so it won't go off in your bag like when uh, uh, you're going through the airport and you hear people's bags fucking vibrating, mostly women, and they're traveling, yeah. they're vibrators, maybe or something. Uh, yeah. or, so that Or something. That or something. What that else happened. could it be? What else could it be?
1: They got a vibrating deodorant.
0: <laughs> yeah, <maybe. laughs> uh, the Lawnmower 4.0 <laughs> gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on. And off when needed for precise shaves, Scott. I know you're a fan of that one. You like to talk about that, so that's good. You can do it in the water and in the dark. Fuck, we're good. Go. Yeah, Fuck. The new trimmer even allows you to customize your trim all over through additional guard lengths, sizes one through four. So you don't have to go bald, you can fucking dangle it out <laughs> the length that you want. You know, it's like uh. We'll uh, have Douglas Duncan on here in a week or so, and he always has that perfectly trimmed beard. So you can do that now with uh, with Manscaped for down below as well. So you're good to go. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code NFP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code NFP20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with manscaped oh. hey J- jason uh, jason you, can, yeah. you could you l-
1: could you could like shave your favorite hockey player's number in your, <laughs> hey, your <yes>! ball sack <laughs> in my ball sack
2: no, no ball sack. Well,
1: wherever you we want no they're all two digit numbers that's too much work
0: uh, oh that's gold. Oh, cool. <laughs> all right um jess once again we appreciate you coming on if you want to <laughs> if you'd come on to our uh are bullfighting ones every time? That'd be great. I love the insights from the guy at the the very highest level, in the top of the game, and who we consider the best to, the best to put on the cleats. So, uh, uh-huh. we'll we'll bring you back for these ones if if you're into it. Yeah. I got all sorts oh, yeah. of questions on voting systems and all different oh, yeah. shit that I'd love to pick your brain on. That a lot of people have no idea goes on behind the scenes with bullfighting. So, everybody yep. stay tuned for for future ones that are coming up here, uh, hopefully soon. So. With that, we're going to go to the five-time champion of the world, the man with the, probably the craziest stories uh, that, that you can come along with with the lifetime of, of bullfighting spanning generations and generations. Without further ado, here is our interview with Rob Smets.
1: And hits him right on the end of the chin. Out. Well, I mean, that's the inside out. That is down and dirty.
2: They called him the Kamikaze Kid because... He wasn't afraid to lay everything on the line. He was not afraid to die in the arena if that's what it took. When you want to talk about
1: bravery, I don't think the meter goes any higher than what it went with Rob Smith's. And when you see the heart that Rob has, um, and all those bullfighters, it's humbling. It's really amazing to see what they're willing to do and what they're willing to put on the line to keep those
2: Cowboys safe. He's the one that gives every bullfighter from now on something to shoot for.
3: They want to be as good as Rob Smets.
2: Our guest today is one of the greatest
0: bullfighters to ever walk the face of the planet. Selected six times to fight the NFR, nine times to the PBR World Finals, and a five-time champion of the world. One of my idols, the Kamikaze Kid, Rob Smets. Rob, how are you doing today? Thanks for coming on the NFP Podcast.
3: I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. Just, get, just the warm-up's been fun. <laughs> One of
1: your idols. Man, are you even old enough to say that?
0: You're damn right, dude, because I'm telling you, I didn't grow up watching celebrities on TV. I grew up watching the Wrangler Bullfights yeah. and Rob Smith, Smiles hair Skipper Voss, Rick Chapman, yeah. uh, Rex Dunn, Steve Mowery, those yeah. were my celebrity heroes, you know. So you it's...
3: Know, those those old VHSs, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, those old VHSs. Has got worn out because Zach Oaks and Joe Oaks, Dave Oaks' boys, they used to live around the corner from me, and I would always take them NFR videos and stuff, and. Dave would call me on the phone and go, they've worn another tape out. Give me a new tape.
0: <laughs> goes, yeah. them, boys
3: know them boys know where the bull's going to be before he even gets there on the tape. They've watched it. Somewhere.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah, that was the same those
3: as VHS Bull Wrangler bullfight tapes. They were pretty good babysitters.
0: Definitely. Yeah. hundred percent. So, uh, so what's going on now, Rob, we'll, we'll get back into the, your history and, and your career and everything else, but what's, uh, what's been keeping you busy these days?
3: Well, what's going on now is I work for the World Champion Rodeo Alliance. My my job is alliance relations. I talk to different associations and producers that are putting on events so that we put on a, our first big major event of this year is going to be Rodeo Corpus Christi next week. Yep. And we put on three major events in this scheduled for this year. If you happen to win three of our majors in a row, there's a million-dollar bonus. Wow. Right. Okay. So, so now if you and I were, if you were to win three in a row and I were to win three in a row, then it's much like the American, we're going to split the pot. Okay. We each make 500,000 a piece. But if at the end of three in a row, I, w- I was the only one, then you're going to get the million dollars. It's a really cool deal. And the greatest thing about it is it's not just NFR cowboy based. It's based more, I call it for the, for the blue collar guys. Okay.
0: So there's, mm-hmm. some
3: of those guys and we all we all know one somewhere that a couple of choices in life and he's at home on the ranch or he's at home at the farm or he's pounding nails on the construction site, building houses and, and we all know we all know him it's, got, it's guys that have got the talent to be anybody. Just they just don't people. want
1: to pound that pavement they just right, just want to right. Go to they don't want to pound rodeos. the
3: pavement or, or life got in the way and you it's what they had to do and they stepped up to the plate and that's where they went but yet they can go to a wednesday night jackpot bull riding and then they can slip over to an open bull riding they can go to the cca you know yep. canadian pro road cpra up there they can slide down and get into montana there and hit a couple of nra events there and you can nominate at any of those events the nomination you earn points so i i show up there i see what i've got drawn i think i've got a good chance i'm going nomin- to i'm going to nominate edmonton mm-hmm. edmonton's mm-hmm. a division 1 event well there's more points at a division 1 they've got it broke down through division 1 to division 5 depending on the size of events the point they earn points the top 24 will earn enough points to qualify for the event after corpus at the days of 47 Cool. A lot of Canadi- a lot of Canadians will be trying to make that one because that's up in the right part of the country to come down over the border and, and qualify there. So by getting to do that, and I, you see, guys that just come out of nowhere all of a sudden, and you go, "Wow, look at what happened." The Beaujolais sisters, yep. right? Yeah, everybody, everybody thought, "Where did where these two black-haired girls come from?" That were at Green Bay and they won first and second, won one fifty thousand and won one twenty-five thousand dollars. Yeah, back in you know how many how many times over the years in their own front yard here it is high team back high yeah. uh, throw back for for all the money and they were roping that dummy well it all paid off right there
4: yep. that yeah that one true.
3: rig that they both traveled up there in left with over seventy five thousand dollars in cash in a weekend you know yeah not, not and bad. so great to me was. That same year, I got to go up later to the Canadian finals, which it's been years since I've been in Canada. They've moved moved to Red Deer and got up there and got to help with the Fitzpatrick's had a breakaway all big girls breakaway roping there with the Canadian finals. Okay, well, Let me tell you what. There's more than two black-haired sisters in Canada that can swing a rope. <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a whole pack of wolves up there.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah you know, that
3: cool. that 403 area code is stout with breakaway ropes. <laughs> yeah,
0: swing and that's probably out. what's the best about the WCRa now is is it's getting people like that that you might never have, have heard of if the, if they if it wasn't for the WCRa. Now they're they're going to be able to make a living in the sport.
3: Right, and it, and it's given them an opportunity to say, "You know what? I just filled my pockets. I'm entering Fort Worth. I'm entering yeah. Denver, my, You yeah. know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have the opportunity to go swing at them one time. Yeah. And that's, and that's, what's really cool about it.
0: Yep. Yeah. That's amazing. So WCRA, obviously that's, that's rolling. Now you guys are, are doing really great and you got a, a, a good job with them and, and moving forward, but let's go back to, to the early days. As I talked, <laughs> you, uh, you were my, you know, my <laughs> idol, all you guys are my idol. So I'm just, Tickled here, just fired up to to chat with you about it. But uh, before the Wrangler bullfight days, how did you get into the sport in the first place? Kind of a different background, correct?
3: Well, dad, my dad did heavy construction work. I lived overseas a bunch as a kid. I lived in Thailand. I lived in Singapore. I lived in Puerto Rico. And then we lived in Australia. Well, Australia was sixth, seventh and eighth grade. My dream was to always play center field for the San Francisco Giants. I wanted to, Willie Mays, Willie Mays was my hero and I wanted to play baseball. That was all I, that was all I ate, slept, drank. That was it. And got on my first couple of calves as a kid over there in Australia. And we came back home and I had the bug, you know, about wanting to rodeo some and started going to some junior rodeos and getting on in the calves and trying to rope, self-taught rope. No, never went Mm -hmm. to a roping school. And so started competing in high school rodeo. Heck, I worked every event, but the boys cutting in high school rodeo, trying to find what it was that was really going to work for me. Jack Roddy helped me a bunch with my bulldog, and I qualified for the state finals in the bull, in the steer wrestling event, but uh, sitting on the fence one day, why Donnie Landis, who's up there in Gooding, Idaho now, Landis, and he was working with a guy named Frank Stubby Gomes, that used to work all our high school rodeos, and I just got off my bull, and I'm sitting there, get up there, hit him on the head. And I said, well, if you think it's so easy, get your ass off the fence and get on down here and show us how. And, and not that I did anything fantastic, but yeah. after having played rugby, played football, I boxed, you know, contact sports. I like contact. I, You can thump on me a little bit. I'm okay. <laughs> you know? And so that, that stepping out there and that, boy, my whole heart went to pounding and that just that adrenaline rush and a yeah, couple of yeah. near misses. And it was the wildest game of tag I'd ever played. And it was, you know, the next, so the next year, Frank, Frank Gomes started working bigger rodeos for Danny Russell. And the thing about it was Danny Russell, Russell rodeo company supplied all our bulls and bucking horses at our high school in our high school division out there. So, everything was hot. They all had an attitude like Dan Russell. And, <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, they, they would chase you around in Bellato park where I learned was a cow pasture. It's a great big arena. There's no getting to the fence. So you had to, you had to pick it up in a hurry and, you know, I got to start working it and started getting paid for something we had fun doing. And, you know, and it, and it grew from there. The, how old, on, how old
1: were you, Rob? Like, I, what I age? Was
3: six, I was 16 then. So I fought Bulls 16. I graduated 17. I graduated right before uh, I turned 18. My birthday September 11th. So I graduated in June. September 11th, I turned 18. I went, John, Donnie and I both went to the San Jose Firefighters Rodeo, which was the last weekend of September. I worked with Chuck Henson and Jerry Merrilluch. For them to watch how we maneuvered around out there. Landis worked one perf with them. I worked one perf with them. We both got our cards signed for there that day. 30 30 some days later, the Cow Palace in San Francisco, which the Cow Palace in the day was the rodeo. That was where everybody came because that was what, uh, what qualified you for the NFR. Okay, and they and they've changed it now because the because of the September cutoff. But the Cow Palace always ended the first week of November. Everybody come. Mm-hmm. Well, 1977, we snuck into the Cow Palace on the night of the short round. Donnie Gay rode Oscar, <laughs> and and Peth won the very first bullfighting contest that Cotton Rosser put on at the Cow Palace. And I was standing there with two buddies that we'd snuck in and we were on the, in the moat down there. And I was like, Hey, this contest, we got, I got to come. I'm, I'm coming here next year. This yeah. is, this is me. I'm going to, I'm going to win this son of a gun. <laughs> you know, of course your, your dreams. And your I mean, I'm just barely 18 years old and I'm watching it and just, it's just cooler than heck. Well, I'd had my card signed for her, So I just started chasing the dream and, and I was still boxing back then. So I was running eight, nine miles a day. Yeah. Being in shape wasn't a, you know, wasn't something I had to really go work at. I was there. So my my wheels and what I what I share with guys when we do schools now is, you know, you can never be in too good a shape. Yeah. You cannot get there. When that adrenaline, huh? When that adrenaline starts flowing, it starts draining you and stuff. And every time you do happen to get hit, which we all know that if you play this game, you're going down, it's mm-hmm. going to take something out of those legs. It takes and, and that's, that's your wheelhouse. That's your power. Yep. So the next year we went to the cow palace and, uh, I, I worked all that next year for Bob cook for Bob cook, who is now groundy brothers, rodeo company okay. and, and cotton Rosser and work, went back and forth working a bunch of their events and all up and down the California coast. So I was, everything was right there in my wheelhouse of everybody I knew I had a, a good support system and, you were there. living in Oregon at that time. Uh, no, I was in California. I graduated oh, okay. I graduated high school in Salinas, California. Okay. And uh, so we were we lived in San Martin, which is about 30 miles south of San Jose. And the Cow Palace is an hour up the road. So we, we got up there and there was me, there was Miles Hare, Skipper Voss, Bob Romer, Bob Donaldson, Wick Path, uh Epic. Greg Doring. <laughs> Yeah, epic. <laughs> epic. There, there was a, uh, yeah, I mean I, a whole bunch of leg of our legends of our sport, really good guys that have all been there done that. So we're all in this contest. You draw somebody that night. Well, I win the first round. Bob Donaldson, who is Wick Pest protege, says uh he wins the second round. And so one day we're standing there and I'm should sign, like I said, Meriluch and Chuck Henson signed for my pro card. So Wick's, Wick's standing there by Maralooch, and he says, right in front of my face. I mean, you don't talk about slapping the face from the king. Wick <laughs> looks over at Merrilluch and he says, uh, I'll bet you my, my check of what I won against the check that you won, that my man beats your man. Game on. Maralooch kind of looks over at me, and I'm like... <laughs> Take the effing
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I was
3: just, my, my motor was right out. Take the bet. So Merrill so merrily's Merrily Betsy, and come the final night, we go at it. I mean, it's not like the Wrangler bullfights are now. You don't draw your own bull. We fought everything that come out from the Bucking Bulls to your fighting bull. Yeah. And it was, if if I could beat you to the hole, I beat you to the hole. You know, and it was just, it was an all on game on deal. And at one point this Bramer runs me and Donaldson both up the fence. Well, that moat fence is about three and a half foot tall. And then it had two cables on the inside of the arena there at the yep. cow And we're both standing up on this. And this Bramer's going back and forth, looking at both of us. And I mean, we're not six foot apart. And I just looked at Donaldson and I waved at him and I said, bye-bye. And I just jumped on him backwards. <laughs> Nice. i write him about a round and a half and i mean i've been hooked that night and everything else but i keep getting up and i'm not giving up well i lo and behold i do win it yeah you yeah. know and the first thing i did was run to wick and say pay up <laughs> <laughs> it was a year before wick Peth would talk to me Just, yeah. Uh, that, you know, yeah it was it was a great night and uh you know, and then things have just progressed from there. But I was so blessed because guys like Wickpath, Wick did take a liking to me, and he, and he taught me about hopping and staying square, and working. Mm-hmm. With Skipper Voss taught me how to do the step through on a chair in a dressing room in Omaha, oh, wow. Nebraska. You know, wow. Jimmy An- Jimmy Anderson. Nobody was any grittier than Jimmy Anderson at saving cowboys, and I learned so much from Jimmy, and more so about being patient picking your good spots rather not just jumping sometimes it's better to step back that half jump let him get by me and then shoot shoot in there and get the hole which we've all learned you know yeah it it looks cool and you get shot out of there but i'm not doing any good anybody when i'm getting shot out of there so you know those those three guys spoke volumes into i took a little here a little here a little here and that's what ended up here
1: who, who uh, out of all those guys that you idolized going into that early part of your career, who's the most intimidating to maybe get a chance to work with or someone that kind of made you nervous? Um, well, who would be the with, guy?
3: Without a doubt, Wick. You know, yeah. I mean, we, we get to St. Paul, Oregon, and, and uh, I'm at St. Paul, and we're getting ready for the bull ride. I mean, I'm jumping <laughs> up down, and down. And boy, my breath's just getting shorter and shorter and shorter. <laughs> wick Wick walks over and sticks a finger in my chest and he goes hey you gotta breathe (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and i'm just thinking it's the first time i've ever worked with him you know i got it's the this is the king you know and i mean it was just yeah you gotta you gotta breathe he says
0: Uh, (laughs) miles hair you guys seem to always have that that history of the two of you best friends, or I don't know how it all worked for you, but you guys were always seemed to be together and doing everything together, You're splitting world championships. Uh, was that somebody that you look at as like your right hand man? You guys are one and one together?
3: You know, my, he was. And, and the funny thing is, you want to talk about how things run a big full circle. 1979, I go to Louisiana for Jim Shoulders. And We go to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We go to Monroe, Louisiana. And I get down there and Miles and I, you know, Miles had been at the Cow Palace, which I won. So, I mean, he's been about that a little bit. And we, you know, we're, we're both, we were both used to being the guy that sold the show, Yeah. you know, and so. We get to Monroe, Louisiana, and Shoulder starts the rodeo with a bull riding and he ends the rodeo with the bull riding, just like all mesquite stuff or any 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 of that, them guys that got them hooking bulls. And so the very first night, first section, it's me and Miles and John Taylor, who worked all kinds of rodeos up there in Canada. Yeah, for sure. And, for sure. and you know, there wasn't anybody funnier than John. He was great. <laughs> but we get there and Miles and I were we're both going balls to the wall on it, on every bull and we're but hitting shoulders and we're, we're crossing back and forth and, you know, and miles is four years older than me. He was, so he would have been 22, probably I was like 19. And he's like, what the, f- what's the matter with you? And I said, well, you're the great freaking miles hair. Do something. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, all of a sudden we're no, we're nose to nose. I mean, in the arena, first night, first section and, oh. Jim shoulders rides up to John Taylor and he goes, what the hell's going on up there? And John Taylor goes, you got two young bulls in too small a pasture.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, uh, he comes with his horse and he rides right between us and he rides right between us. And we, we back up, you know, and he goes, Hey, you boys want to fight. You ain't got to worry about fighting each other. I got plenty of them Fight that bull right there. And I mean, he just sent them at us the rest of the night. Wow. So we get done with the first section. Miles and I go sit in the dressing room. And it's just like how you and me are right here now. (laughs) We sat in our our chairs just looking at each other. We didn't say it. There wasn't a goodbye, go to hell, F you, nothing. It was just, and we sat there until the next section. And then we went in and (laughs) fought bulls. And so the next year I got blessed to go work, get hired by Bob Watt to work Fort Worth. Yeah before it a war zone, okay. you know, back then it was 23 performances in 17 days. And I mean, it's work. Yeah. And miles and I are working it together. You know, well, I can remember about the 13th perf, We're both going down the arena, chasing us to the back end to go pick up this fighting ball. And I remember looking over at him and going, will you jump this son of a bitch so we can get out of here?
4: Yeah.
3: You know, and, and, and that's where all of a sudden then the brotherhood became, you know, we, we both, I was the first one to blink, I guess, but the blink had to come sooner or later and, and acknowledge, Hey, it's sure nice to have somebody as talented as you go sell this son of a gun. Get us out of here. Yeah. You know, rather, I, I ain't got to do it tonight. And it was, and from there we become buddies. And then in 19, you know, 1981, miles won the world. I won second. 1982 i go in in the lead for the world skipper wins the world miles wins second i win third 1983 1983 we get halfway through the year and we're in fort smith arkansas and the first three rounds have been terrible for me i just i miles wins first i win second miles wins first i win second i mean i say terrible it's just i'm, I'm not beating him you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like golly so finally I looked over at him, we're drinking beer that one night and I said, you know what? I'm going home. I'm done. And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, I'm done. I'm tired. I'm tired of winning second to you. Tired of playing this game. I'm going to the house. My dad's a heavy equipment operator. Mom's always been after me about come home, join the union. You'll have a retirement. You'll, you know, uh, all, all the things that I fought all my life. I just about <laughs> gave up and, and said, you win. Yeah. And Miles looked across at me and he said, "No." He goes, "Quit trying all the crazy stuff that you're doing, and get back to the fundamentals." Well, that that last night, I got I got around there. I win the last round. I won the next five bullfights in a row, and I won my first world championship in 1983. Oh. I remember that night that I that I won it being in the dressing room and wick walked in and he shoved miles. And he says, why didn't you let him go home? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no
0: kidding, eh?
3: was, So Rob,
1: in your mind, you were done. You, look, I was you done. can tell, I was done. you can tell our audience right now in 1983, halfway through that season, you just about threw the towel in.
3: I just about threw it in, you know, and, and you, you can't, you know, and the more that I learn about this book, the father's book and the father's word and, and walking and walking with him, it, it's the, nowhere in that book. Does it say things are going to be easy, right. but there's, right. there's going to be trials all the way through it. And he's not just going to pick us out of a situation. He's going to, but he's going to go through it with us. You know, he tells us in Joshua, "Be strong and of good courage. Do not be discouraged or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go." Now, granted, I graduated from Catholic boys' schools, but as far as having a relationship with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that didn't come till way later. Good. You know, I I kept him. I knew I knew there I knew there was a God, and I and I knew it. But man, I kept him at arm's length and at a, at a comfortable spot. You know, I always only wanted to, wanted to talk to him when, when we want to be like a, a genie bottle and go rub him and say, Hey, I need a little help. I need a little help today. But that When you, drew
1: that, when you drew that cricket nose, you might've put a good word in.
3: Yeah.
1: We've seen bullfighting, Rob, you, you were for generations, almost just about three complete generations. You've seen how it evolved. Um, and I'd, I want to go back to the, to the, to the clown room. It's some of my greatest memories of the industry or The dressing room or the dressing room. Um, I'll never forget the time spent with, with the greats, Liesl, Mr. Rudy Burns, yourself, the sparks' Greg rumor, right. RIP pal. Um, it was, it was the best as a young guy coming in and listening to you guys do your, you know your smack talk the head games with oh each my other. God. It, it was it was uh you know and, and tanner's dad he was no different you know oh, no. he'd be he'd I, be I teasing you yeah.
3: a lot of bulls with Tanner's dad right yeah but
1: what what do you uh if we go back you know we talked about you know the crown royal bottle being in the dressing room and and um where did you see that you know at its height and what what made that change for for the this generation or the next generation of bullfighters? Do you think?
3: I I think I saw it at its height probably about the time I was coming in. Okay, you know that 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 old school group of bullfighters that that uh, there was probably then and then you know I mean we've all had our wrestling matches. Yeah. Or I, I I won't say we all. I'll say I've had my wrestling match. I've been there. And I, and I'm not too proud to say that I've done everything, but stick a needle in my arm, yep. you know, yep. we've, it, uh, but the thing about it is that the thing that's so tough about our sport, that unless a person has a good foundation, which I go back to the book, once again, the father tells us you got to build things on a rock and you get that foundation is so important because our life we're going, they call it rodeo, but we're going from party to party. Oh,
4: to yeah. Party oh, yeah. Party. Yeah. And if
3: we don't have our game on, you know, if, if we start losing focus and all of a sudden we find it real easy to, well, I'll have a beer, you know, have two beers. And, and I never was against, I mean, there was many a night that I drank one, maybe even two beers before I went and fought bulls. Yeah. I didn't think anything of it. Yeah.
1: Right. You
3: know, I don't think that a beer is going to take something away from me. Yeah.
1: Well, have, when the, when, when your mentors in the room are doing it, you just want to fit in,
3: you know, but that that's the other part too. We don't need to just fit in. You know, I mean, we, we got to stand up because that, that mentors, to, they're, they're mentors, but sometimes it's the wrong, the wrong circle to be in. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Here's something I heard just the other day from a guy named Bill Williams, who's a football coach that really struck me. So the mentors and, and falling in and, and fitting in, we we fit in, well, we're fitting in on middle ground, right? Nope. Remember this, the middle's as close to the bottom as it is the top. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Uh, and, yep. and
3: and if and if and if a drop comes out of that glass, now all of a sudden we're closer to the bottom than we are the top. Yep. Sure. Yeah. That yep. guy, when he said that the other day, man, it hit me. It was like, wow. <laughs> it is because I try to tell all those guys that when they come to my bullfighting schools, I said, you know what? It's fine. You you don't want to go compete in the bullfights. That's fine. But you still need to know how to handle a bull.
4: Sure. That
3: guy, could, that guy could be down in that arena and he's out and you got to be able to pick him up and you got to get him down the arena. We got to get him out of there. We got to help those pickup men get a rope on him, but we got to expose our body to save, to save what's there. And if we're running around and complete scared, which I watch so many guys now that they may say they shoot the gap, but they're shooting the gap because they've already got their spot picked right there on that G on Wrangler of where I'm going up the panel. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
4: yeah.
3: You know, they're, they're, they're not running through there in a controlled mode of feeling that I'm going to pick one up and I'm going to handle this situation. You know they're running through there because they're running scared.
0: And so, Rob, uh, I think I've heard you talk about it too. But you hear different guys nowadays talk about how they're a, a protection bullfighter, they're a freestyle bullfighter. And it's kind of got to where it's like two different uh, things, right? And uh, I've said it a bunch of times on this podcast, but you guys were bullfighters, and it didn't matter if it was freestyling or or protection. It was it was one one job, one game, correct?
3: Right. That's that. And that's it. I just I feel that the that the freestyle part of it helped with my protection, you know, because like I said, you're hitting the you're hitting the holes and hitting the spots and and I'm going in there under control. But no doubt that that bull riding, like I suggest, all those kids going to the school, you sit there and you turn on that TV and you got to start watching and I'm looking when that chin pops. When huh? When that yep. arm, When when they move with that free arm and that free arm gets back here because it's rotated their hips. You know, you got to start knowing. I got to know more of what the bull riding fundamentals are than my bullfighting fundamentals yeah. because I got to be and able to get there.
1: Yeah. And let's be honest, that Wrangler money was good back in the day. That oh, was yes. good cash, you know. When you guys were winning world titles, Rob, I believe, um, you know, in the nineties, there you'd you'd come out of the season with forty plus, like in the high forties, just shy of fifty thousand, eh? After yeah. the NFR,
3: it was it was uh, really good, you know. Plus getting plus the years that I double dipped and was picked to work the NFR, <laughs> yeah,
4: and, yeah, and
3: work the final, you know, work work the bullfight. So it it was good, you know, because six of six of those trips I did double dip. Yeah, six times, you know, fighting bulls at the finals and also during it, you know, the Wrangler bullfights.
1: I bet so you, you were glad to see uh, day 10 come along after
3: the it, freestyle
1: bullfight. I got to make sure our listeners know 17 times is that correct? Wrangler bullfight finalist, yeah. the national finals rodeo for Ross. Oh. That's oh, yeah. uh.
3: Yeah. You know, a so lot of careers
1: cl- don't even last that long, let oh. alone 17 and, and a, and
3: at the, the top. Close, and the closest to me was the other hardhead, Miles. Rumor.
0: Rumor. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh,
3: rumor with rumor with 11.
0: Wow. Yeah so, yeah, so you blew everybody out of the water. Okay, Rob, go back. I need to go back to the to the Wrangler bull fights. It's as I said, the VHS tapes. That's what I grew up on. What was, what were those years like you were there from pretty much the start till they were done, I guess. And, uh, what's the, what's the best memories of, of just that tour and, and of your time within the Wrangler bullfights uh, behind the scenes, all the stuff. What was, what was so much fun uh, about behind,
3: it? Behind the scenes would be, they decided they were, they were going to have a team bullfight. They had only one Wrangler team bullfight and it was in Waco, Texas. And that year, Jimmy Anderson and I had worked all of Jim Scholer's rodeos together. Well, they, they had it figured out. They were going to put Miles Hare and Skipper Voss together as a team. They put Wick Peth and Bob Donaldson as a team. And they were going to have Leon Coffey and Mike Moore as a team. Well, Leon and Mike couldn't get out. Waco and Dallas, the signers put on, were the same weekend. They were at the same time. Well, the Dallas committee would not let Leon and Mike out of their contract at Dallas to come compete in that deal. And Jim Shoulders called up the guys at Wrangler and said, I've got I've got a team that'll come down there and be in that bullfight. Well, it's me and Jimmy, right? Well, we're the log shot. Nobody, you know, 19, 1980. And we get down there and I can remember every night we would we would drive to the drive, be driving to the arena. We'd get dressed at the room and we'd drive to the arena. And Jimmy had that old tan Chevy pickup truck and it was boom. boom, boom boom and another one bites the dust and we'd be we were singing after each other and singing it loud and we're gonna beat these guys right and so and it was good jimmy and i'd worked so many rodeos together like the first fighting bullet we would get jimmy'd make a round i'd make a round jimmy'd make a round go to the barrel i'd make a round run back around behind him jimmy'd set him and over i'd go well, the yep. next one, I'd make around. Jimmy'd make around. I'd make around. Go to the barrel. Jimmy'd make around. Get back, and we just kept switching back and forth. But we were ju- we jumped everything we fought. Skipper, he was so mad. You know, <laughs> so we win we the first the first night. We win the second night. We win all four nights of this deal. Yep. And yep. Skipper, he looks over. Oh, they're giving him points just for damn jumping. <laughs> so the one <laughs> the one deal. Miles is rolling the barrel. He's, this bull's hitting the barrel. Skipper's getting on He starts coming running at it. Miles, like, no! <laughs> Miles wouldn't even let him try it. It was, it was funnier than heck. Uh. And then, like you said, the, the dressing rooms, the stuff afterwards, it just, the Sharon and the buddies and, the, you know, giving each other the ribbons about, oh, he cuts you off and, you know. Uh.
1: Uh, in those dressing rooms rob was there any uh was there any real beefs or some throwdowns that happened after
3: you know that you recall not, or
1: that you can tell us
3: not not real there was <laughs> the, the only real beef <laughs> was me and rumor at Pampa, texas out outside behind the bucking shoots and rumor hadn't been beat all year long and i got got ahead of him i'm doing really good there and rumors, mad. he's hollering at judges and hollering at everybody. And they're going back and forth and him and I start having words, And, you know, I said, well, we'll do whatever we got to do. You know, I mean, we were, we both have boxed some, yep. you know, and, and we words were going back and forth there to the point that Benny Butler comes running back there with the big old Doran camp saying, Hey, you got, I mean, they're getting ready to ride bareback horses because we started with the bullfight and then they were going to end with the bullfight. And the people in the grandstands, they're not watching the bucking horses. They're watching me and Rumor hollering and screaming at each other. (laughs) Then he comes back there and he's giving us hell. And I said, Benny, the only reason you're mad is you thought you were going to miss it. (laughs) (laughs) And he just shook his head. He said, Smets, you know. And fortunately, it never got to that point. In fact, later that year, we get to the finals and, you know, they would always have a keg in the back. Back room and by the showers in there, and guys would come out of the Justin Sports Medicine room or whatever, and have a cold beer. And after it was over that one night, Rumor and I sat down there till everybody led, left the damn dressing room. Yeah, and the yeah. two of us out there and drank cold beer together, you know. Yeah. So oh, and every cool. every time I drive by out there at Cranfills Gap where they lost Rumor, I say hello, Rumor. Yeah. Yeah, today, yeah
0: yeah you know? the camaraderie the brotherhood yeah, within that,
3: it, yeah. that camaraderie you, you can't beat it you know yeah. and, and the same thing with me and miles you know the that year in 1988 when it came down to that last and we we end up dollar for dollar penny for penny tied Yep. and miles miles when from the years of working fort worth miles took gymnastics back when he was young and i whenever i would always get introduced first and then miles would get introduced and i would have put your put your hands together and i would he'd step up yeah. in there and i'd flip him and he'd do that backflip, and he'd do his little deal you know yeah. so when that when it came out as a tie well there was one good bull in the refights and there was one sorry son of a buck back there so basically they said well you what are you guys going to do and miles said well have you got more money for this extra round we're going to fight well wrangler you know no we didn't think anything about it and uh, I said, so you basically want us to flip a coin for the world title because one's going to get a good one and one's going to get this other yeah. one. Yeah. And I looked, o- I looked over at Miles and I said, hey, cocky. And I put my I put my hands together like this. And Miles, I said, I say we just split the world. And my- Miles stepped in my hand and he did the back flip, and tipped his hat. and We grabbed each other by the wrists. And took a Vic, started off on our victory lap around the Thomas and Mack, and looked back <laughs> at Greg Tuesday and said, Make another buckle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and, that, and that's how it ended up. And Wrangler made the, it ended up as a co world champions. And, you know, yeah, I've, I can't think of a, a guy right. that's been meant more in my career than Miles. Although, like I said, not taking any Jimmy, Jimmy Skipper and Wick. Yep. And, and Miles, those those four right there spoke volumes into me. I I was I was blessed for their friendship and just to be with them.
0: Well, that's what Jason said. Your longevity it, it's unmatched in the sport. You you went through all these generations, uh and then right with the PBR right from the get go. Correct? Yes, sir. So, what did you see in in those years? And up to now, even the transitions of, of bullfighting, the transitions of the sport, uh, how, is it, how has it kind of changed over the years for you?
3: The, the bullfighting, obviously, there, and there were certain bulls that we would set that third guy out up up the fence line a ways. He wasn't really considered in, like, yep. but there, there were a couple of those bulls that we all knew was bad about throwing somebody out that high side. Just to be able to be there to make him pop his head up to help the those two, but he you really didn't go work like they work the the three guys now. The thing that I see about working three guys all at once, I I see some awful nice picks, but I sure don't see guys going through the gap anymore. Great. Right. And, and I and I and I feel it is that way because I I'm worried about I'm I'm going through I'm going to run into Jason. Yep. you know we're the that we're gonna we're gonna get in a bind it, and it's it started a lot of getting there but stopping you know and i just think that it would it's better i i like the two guy formation
0: Yep, and you would have fought by yourself tons of times as well right well, Off the back, back
3: when i first started out see that was still just the one one bullfighter rule and it
1: would have been the early 90s i would guess that that's, that two bullfighter and, rule.
3: and then uh you know, the best the, the best finals that I ever worked. Now I'm going to pull on your shirts. 1980, I worked the Canadian National Finals Rodeo. Yeah. I, I came up to Canada. Uh, Wayne Bull brought me up there. I worked Red Deer and uh, all those good rodeos that he had. Yeah. And the best part was I had Iris Glass, Tommy Glass's mom, Yeah. yeah. Wow. likened to me at Pinocchio. And she said, Tommy, take this bullfighter out and teach him how to outride. And so, Gary. So I, I ran with a pretty mild crowd up there too. Doug Vold, <laughs> <laughs> Billy, Billy, Blacklock,
4: Oh, oh yes. my God.
3: Jim Solberg, Ryan, oh my God. Ryan, Robin Burwash,
4: yeah.
3: uh, and Jordy Thompson.
4: Oh, oh It was a, it
3: was, it was a pretty mild, pretty mild that explains group. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Doug Vold. So, yeah, we we had a pretty good crew that, and Daryl Collins.
1: Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, Darryl, you know. a, lot
3: guys, a lot of guys don't know that Collins. You want to talk about a guy that was a hand, ride, ride bareback horses and ride bulls. Yeah. yeah. You no. Know, Daryl. Daryl was plenty handy.
0: Wow. Is it true, Rob, that you were the first one to to go away from the the baggies and and the way that the bullfighters dress now with the jerseys and sponsor logos and stuff on it? Were you the first guy to do that?
3: I w- I was the first one. We they they talked about it a little bit. And the PBR had a group from back east that kind of designed some stuff, and it was some look like spaceship type stuff. And and Carly said, I'm not wearing that. And so we sat down with a buddy and started drawing it out. And uh, Teresa Underdown was agenting me at the time, and she brokered a deal with CarQuest and ASE. Mm -hmm. And so I waited all the way, we got it all suited out. And at the 2000, PBR finals in Vegas yep. I waited and let it, I let everybody get dressed I just kind of dragged it in the dressing room I didn't even let them see it until I hit the arena yep. and then okay. you know and cracked it out right there and so I wore I wore CarQuest ASE all that first year and then the PBR really saw how valuable yeah. yep. it was and then they they came on board with uh Carhartt, Carhartt. And then Dickie, you know, I oh, mean, yeah. they were blessed it, and, and it's helped increase the pay for the bullfighters.
0: Yeah, yeah. What did the guys, the other guys, think about it, or the the older generation? Was anybody pissed off about it, or? You know I had remember? I
3: had a lot of guys say, "Oh, you're breaking tradition. You're breaking tradition." I said, "No, we're not breaking tradition. This bull riding is its own new event, and we're setting tradition." You no, know? I mean, we're I, I'm not a rodeo clown at this event. Yeah, I'm a bullfighter. I'm an athlete
0: yep did you ever have to do any of the clowning like back in the day i remember it was kind of one thing did you ever do any of that like- I,
3: I did i did some uh don like i said i working with donnie landis on several occasions it, landis always had some really good acts but it sure sucks when you get out there and the bomb don't go off when it's supposed to <laughs> you know, I, and unfortunately we all know and it's gonna happen no matter how good they are it happens Yeah. you know that just and i just was something i never felt comfortable with if i had to go do it I would, I would go do it. You know, I mean, I'll bail in there and help help you with your act. But for yeah. me to go to a rodeo company rodeo and say, Hey, I'm going to be your funny man. Uh-uh. Yeah. But I was able to say, you know what? You hire me to come fight bulls. I won't tear your fence down.
0: Yeah, I'll jump ten of them.
3: Scott and I, Scott and I, oh, dude, Scott and break, I had to work for break.
1: Scott and I had to to do Kelly Lacoste acts, and you didn't want to mess any of those up. No.
3: Oh, <laughs> well, and, and there and there you go, Kelly Lacoste. So, 1980, when I worked my first. Canadian finals. It was with Kelly
1: Lacoste.
0: Yeah.
3: You want to talk about a big, strong, tough coon? Oh, man. No. Kunis, oh. Kunis Canadian mix. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But what? A, hey, Kelly. Kelly was good to me. I mean, great, great guy. I worked Regina with him, and yeah, no, really good man.
0: Yeah, my dad talks very, very highly of Kelly Lacoste. You're very, very, very highly? And, so yeah, I've worked every, I worked
3: every. I've I've been blessed to have worked every major rodeo. In my career, but the Houston Astrodome and the Calgary Stampede. Oh, you never got to Calgary, eh? I thought, yeah, never thought... got to Calgary because Winston Bruce held a grudge out over me over a joke that I told at Edmonton that year, back when uh, when Calgary was Team Rodeo. Yep. Right. Yeah. They they were team rodeo there in 1980, 79, 80, 81, right there. And they had all the teams. So they were the amateur, you know, and that was back when all of us were very proud of those PRCA cards and CPRA yep. card, right? We're, we're the pros. We're not the ammies you yeah. know. So Keith Highland,
4: <laughs> who
3: was the president of the Canadian Pro Rodeo Association at the time, come and give me this joke and said, Mets, you tell this joke, you'll have all of our rodeos. so so I you know I don't know much about all the rivalry up there at that time it was a first first per first night I'm up there and uh I tell this story of this old Iranian man he's got three sons and said uh called in his he knows he's going to pass away calls in his first and oldest son and asks him what he'd like and he says I'd like a house with a lot of land the father says okay that's good I'll take care of it the second son comes in and he says what would you like and he says well, I'd like a ship and a crew. I want to sail go around the world. Dad says, okay, that's all right. And I want you to remember, Tallman's announcing this. Yeah. <laughs> Tallman's, going right along. Tallman's going right along with me. And, and Harry Vold, Harry, Bar HB, and Wayne are sitting on the bucket shoots, and they still take stock to Calgary. You know, they're taking stock to Calgary and all that. Yeah. And Tallman's working Calgary, <laughs> even all this is going on. So I'm going on. I said, well, the third and youngest son come in. And he says, uh, what would you like? And he said, I'd like a Mickey Mouse outfit. So his dad bought him the Calgary Stampede.
4: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
3: <laughs> 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 hey, Harry, Harry, Vold, Harry, Vold and Wayne go, oh. <laughs> 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 Tom goes, he bought him the, Tom bought oh. himself Wayne, Winston comes down out of the stands and grabs Harry and Wayne up and says that joke won't get told again. I mean, Oh
0: man. Oh yeah. So,
3: yeah. <laughs> anyway, I wrote my death sentence at the Calgary. <laughs> oh, that's a great story. Wow. I, I want
1: to, <laughs> I want, I want to back up a little bit back to the, to the Wrangler bullfights and stuff. And I know we've discussed this on previous pods, but uh you know, when you watch those VHS tapes, those high horn, big, purple people eater, crooked nose that whole set of bulls um
3: servey had a p- whole pen of them too those sloan william them great big brindles that were all s58 and yeah. s400 200 and all those those all come from sloan williams and gerald smith down here out of south texas he had a big pen of them too
1: right so my our, my question is um if you had a choice like we all talk about the mexicans nowadays and how fast they are how catty they are but man I get goosebumps still when I watch those VHS tapes, those big high horn, high headed you guys working them like you did. It was it was amazing. But what would you say, in your opinion, is the harder of the two two breeds to fight?
3: I think for, for myself, I liked the Mexicans because I liked how they brought it to me. You know, and for the way that I fought bulls with working off that misdirection and stuff and being able to throw the fake, set them over there and do the step through and stuff, and then keep coming, keep it coming. Those old Brendels, that you get a fake or two on them and they start yeah,
1: so you know, they
3: start wanting to trot up instead of, you know, the 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 bull two animal two animals in my career that I have seen that love the game. Number one, without a shadow of a doubt, crooked nose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, bull, that bull loved the game with all of his heart. And, and you know, when you're really watching his career, you never saw him just maul somebody. He would, hook, he would hook him. And, yeah, if he hooked him and threw him out in front of him, he'd hook you again. But he'd hook you and run on, and then he'd go by you by about 15, 20 feet and whirl around, and that head would pop up, and it'd be like, Okay, come on, get up once more, you know. Try, but, and I mean, try to keep your feet
1: planted and not move until he got a little closer.
3: <laughs> right. he wasn't, He wasn't. But he wasn't one of them old ones that just mulge you and just really, yep. you know. And then the other animal that I saw that really loved the game is a team roping horse. Michael Jones let me ride his horse one night at a little, they call it the buck and duck here in Stephenville. And that horse jackal who... Michael Jones rode, Corey Coontz rode, Alan Bach rode, the whole bunch of them guys all rode him. And what, what a great horse. But so the one night we're at the buck and duck and I ride into the, on the heel box side, and I'm, we're going to score one. And I, I ride in there and I'm kind of sitting there half loose. When this gate bangs, buddy, let me tell you what, it's like a rocket ship. <laughs> this buckskin just takes off out of there. And I don't care how hard you're pulling on his face. He's not backing off. And Michael Jones, he starts laughing at me as I'm coming back down the arena. He goes, I forgot to tell you, he doesn't score. Because <laughs> <laughs> that But that horse just loved the game. He would just run down the arena. And as soon as they turn left, he was there. But boy, he just was so cool to get to ride it was fun but crooked wow. nose of all the animals i ever saw that's the that's the greatest and then i'll go ahead without you even asking the question the greatest bull rider i ever saw was jim sharp
1: yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. we've yeah. that name's come up on several yeah. of our pods too rob and and uh and the this generation of guys you know cooper davis had mentioned that uh, um and Jesse. Um, yeah. so it's, it's guys that are watching video. They didn't get to see, you know, Jim ride in person.
3: I was, I was blessed to go into the PRCA hall of fame, the same Jim and I went in the same year.
4: Mm-hmm. And
3: when I was giving my speech, I said, you know what? I've been asked this question and I'm going to just answer it right here today. And I said, the greatest I've ever seen sits right behind me at the moment. I said, now before You pick up those cell phones and you start calling that short squatty guy in Mesquite, Texas (laughs) and get him all fired up. Don't get me wrong. There's a reason he has eight gold buckles because you tell Donnie gay, he can't, and he will pull it tighter and bear down harder than anybody in the business. But the reason the guy behind me doesn't have more gold buckles is because he made it look too easy. He right. rode him with such finesse and they never got him in storms that rodeos that guys were winning the rodeo on that bull. Sharp would win third or fourth because yeah. he's never got moved Made off the it was, He was in such control that it, you know, they'd go, Well, the bull didn't have his day. Right. The, bull the bull officials didn't day. know how to the give you two points over your bull. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They needed to give him two points over his bull yeah. every yeah. time. Every yeah. time.
0: That's gold. Cool. So Rob greatest career probably ever for a bullfighter you'll go down is probably the best right so without the the ups there's the downs and three broken necks many of injuries what kept you going after you know how old were you when you retired were you in your 40s 40
3: 46
0: 46 when you retired so that's you know now I thinking broke, about broke that my
3: neck, broke my neck the third time I was 46
0: third time so what, what kept Kept bringing you back after even the second broken neck, and and have won everything you've you've done everything that you could do in the sport. What keep what kept you coming back?
3: It's what I did. I lo- it's what I loved. You know, I mean, if 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 I could ask my Lord and Savior to take me out, and He was to say, Rob, pick your spot, go get me a set of cleats, and you take me out right out there in the middle. Yeah. I, I just, I just, and I mean, I'm, I'm fixing to be 62 years old. And if he was to ask me today, go find me a set of cleats and go take me somewhere and let's go play. Let's go out. Let's go out right there. And that would be, that'd be my choice even today.
1: Oh, wow. cool. yep. Yep. That's and cool. and was, let's be honest. That union job wasn't looking very good at that point at 40 <laughs> no, anyway,
3: right? No, huh? it wasn't. You know, <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I was blessed to play a game I loved with all my heart. Yeah. And when, it, when it's something that we love, as all four of us know, it ain't work. Yep. You oh, know? Yeah. And, and, and Fortunately, story. fortunately, we're getting to do a job where we're taking care of our buddies. Yeah. you know, And and that that just that nod, that head nod. You know, you know, what was the status as you talked about me and Miles? There were nights at, at the NFR that one of us would make a mistake and nothing ever had to be said. All we had to do was happen to look up and make eye contact yeah that was that was huh nobody you you didn't have to say i'm sorry you didn't have to say you may you know or if it was me getting to say to him you sure you dropped the ball there that stuff never got said yeah you know because we both knew that if somebody was going to get carried out we just assumed it'd be us than than anybody else you know yeah and i'm that's a the toughest thing about being a bullfighter is you're expected to be a machine you're expected to be a machine and you all, we all know the first question that's ever asked when they say somebody got hurt at a rodeo was who was the bullfight
0: who's fighting bulls yeah who's, sure, fight,
3: who's fighting bulls yeah. right and and yet in tough heat I mean, we'll use tough's case on Bodacious all the yeah. damage was do- all the damage was done before he hit the ground yeah yeah there was, <laughs> didn't matter who was fighting bulls you couldn't protect him. Yep. You know, and I mean and we've all we've all seen been put in that kind of a circumstance that lane for Lane Frost at Cheyenne. You can't point a finger at Bob Romer and Rick Chapman.
1: Yeah.
3: Lane Frost got off into his hand into the in the well. Into the well. He didn't wait for he didn't wait for him to set set the pick to get him out of there.
1: Well, and our, and our friend Glenn Keeley, you know, when you land on your back and, and a bull, that size comes to what do you, you can't, there's risks there, in bull there, riding.
3: There's it, it, it's dangerous. And, and yes, we have some protective gear, but that protective gear does not make us Superman.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
3: You know? And I
0: think our side of it too, the, the mental health side of it is you say that to yourself as well. When somebody gets hurt, like, what the fuck could I have done better? Right. You know? Oh, yeah. And, there's some sometimes there isn't nothing you can could have done to prevent it, but that sticks in your head too. And but the, that, but
3: the biggest thing we gotta right. remember, the biggest thing we gotta remember too is it's just like the football game and being a cornerback that just got burnt for the touchdown. I gotta know what I did wrong. I gotta acknowledge it. I gotta clear the mechanism and I gotta get ready because that next guy's fixing to nod his head and Good. I'm fixing to get stuck in And you know, here we are. We're standing on a street corner waiting for a wreck and then we're gonna jump in. <laughs> the bad thing about it is we don't ever know how bad the wreck's going to be right
1: yeah yeah very true
0: plan,
3: yeah. plan for the worst hope for the best and with a little luck we end up somewhere in the middle
1: yep yeah that's that's what i always tell students at schools that i teach is if there is a wreck and, and you know in your heart that you didn't do 110 percent, fix it roll on because there's 20 more guys about to that's, nod their head that's right? it so, right there play in the now you can't yeah. you can't dwell now. on what happened in the past
0: so, Rob, was it tough, the, speaking of like the mental health side of it, a guy like you that, that loved this sport and, and you still talk about how much you love it and would do it today, a lot of guys have a lot of trouble transitioning to a regular life for you when you gave 46 years of your life to, to bullfighting. What was that switchover like into, into reality? Was there some tough times?
3: It, it is tough. You know, I mean, I, for, the, for the first several years, I couldn't even turn the PBR on yeah it's, it's hard to watch especially on nights where somebody makes it you know you're like oh you made a mistake right there <laughs> it's like i said who was a bullfighter when well, you're on the floor it's like whoa and it just stole my piece The the best thing that happened to me was it opened the door for me having wore the microphone to get an opportunity to do some co-announcing and some color commentary work and stuff yep. and, and i've done quite a bit of it i did quite a bit of that and then uh well, obviously last year I didn't even work a rodeo um, and the, the biggest blessing ha- for me has been getting to the, getting to be part of this WCRA and getting back around rodeo and around Cowboys and around what we know and love, yeah. you know, and it's something that we've g- give so much of our life and time to that. It's just, it's really good to be part of this. When you see so many guys, when they're
1: done, they're done. And you don't see them again. Um, and it's unfortunate. I, I, you know, and speaking for three of us, Tanner's still involved now as a bullfighter. But you know, Scott's involved. I get to be involved. Rob, you're involved, and it's it's an easier transition, I find that way when you can still see those guys that you spent every weekend. You know, thirty right. weeks a year, right? Yep. So, uh, well, let's let's I, be I honest. It, it fills the addiction. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. right? It's yeah, we're lucky that way. Yeah, but and, we're, and, but and and we're all fighting to stay up past 11. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah exactly. definitely. And not in the morning this time. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Rob, we could no, pick you for been, days. It's
3: been good, you know, but I, I, there is. There's a lot of guys that you see, they, they get lost, and, they, and it's easy. Mm-hmm. You know, they get depressed. There's They're going through things. It's, you know, they're, they're not used to, and, and that's – coming coming from the book too you know the father wants us to be encouragers to be we need we need to keep our eyes out for each other and to to see the one with sad eyes and to be saying hey what's going on you know talk to me a little bit let's you know and we've all got we all know people like that
4: nope. right. you know, they're, they're exactly. out there
3: we need to we need to make the time to pick up this phone and, and and call and i i don't do as much of it as i should i get to share i i try to share every morning on my Facebook page at 7:15 central time mm-hmm. on my Rob Smith's fan page. Yep. And mm-hmm. I get up in the mornings and read, you know, from my Bible and some from my daily devotionals and try to see what the father puts on my heart to try to share. And I'll go, you know, five, 10 minutes and, give some people some time to share and I end up with guys like John Brogan on here and Damon Rogers. Oh, John I mean, I'll Brogan. see, there'll be, there'll be guys that pop up that are some, some old school guys, you know, and you go, it, it's sure good. And, and a whole group of guys that not only with Rob Smets, but, that that are coming on joining the page that you would have gone twenty years ago if they'd have said we're going to get up at seven fifteen to listen to somebody talk right, about bro. Jesus Christ they'd all said you're crazier now. <laughs> <hell, baby."
1: laughs> <laughs> was John one of your guys, Rob? Was John Who? one of your John Brogan one of your guys? John Brogan,
3: John Brogan, and Frank Newsom come on together.
1: Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. I worked with. I was there in Sykeson, Missouri, when John got that scar on his neck. I was right? I was fighting bulls with him there. John Brogan I was, was a ham. Scary shit it was
3: frank Newsom. frank Newsom. frank Newsom's probably the well i can't say that because jesse's got plenty of game and bale's in the middle of stuff too but i was about to say because frank's just about the last of the old school
0: dive up in there well
3: he's been around he's been at it long enough to be a warrior yeah yeah
1: yeah a warrior and
3: and he's been there they get there's you want to talk about a guy that he's he's wrestled his demons he's came up and he came out Saw the light at the tunnel and come out the other side, and has done remarkable.
1: Yeah, from know? being absolutely nowhere to coming back to be, you know, right. one of the best. Well, yeah.
3: you want to talk about Hop huh? from going to, and he went to the top of the mountain. He yep. went way down in the valley. Down. Yep, and yep. then he and then got her back because of his got love of the back. game and his dedication. He just kept coming back, coming back, coming back, and now he's on the top of the mountain again. You know, so that's that's what's good. It's to, to be able to share with my friends and to let them know that, you know what, no matter what we've done, we all can be forgiven. All mm. we got to do is turn it around.
4: Yep. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Wow, man. Wow. This has been, uh, unreal. I know there's, there's, we can keep you for six days where we do our, uh, this is our bullfighting cowboy protection uh, episode here. Our last one was with Jesse. So it was a huge honor to, to get you onto this one. So we'll have to get you back maybe along with my dad and we got to get Miles here.
3: <laughs> dad, dad, Miles and I, we'd have fun. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah. Oh, I bet. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. You know, we'll, you
3: know, who else would, you know, who else would be good to have on that group too? Dusty Technus.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know Dusty all that well, but yeah, that'd be good. You know, I worked with rain. his
3: dad a lot in Montana. I never
1: worked around Dusty either.
0: Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. we'll we'll keep these because going, but
3: because he's definitely the of the new er, that new era, but kind of the senior member of that new era. But yeah, he's but he's all game. Oh, uh, that, that's another that's another true warrior, no doubt.
1: Yeah, I have one last question, Rob. Um, when this pod airs, and and the sixteen year old kid is uh, been debating about being a bullfighter becoming a bullfighter what advice in all your wisdom and, and the miles you've made and the the wrecks and whatever what advice do you give to it to a young
3: kid first and foremost whether it's mental physical what would it be the, the, the biggest advice i'm going to give you is you need to find a good school mm-hmm. get 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 to a good school somebody that you know Knows what they knows what they're talking about that's that's going that has the livestock for you to go to and I think it's really important by by having some of those heifers like miles and I try to make sure we've got some heifers some young bulls you, you got it, it's like the boxing game I can't stick you in there with Ali and get your head knocked off and expect you for this to keep pounding with desire you've right. you, you got to set them up for victory and so while I got to make sure I've got the right quality livestock and that they pick the right school, the most important thing is you have to show up in shape. Right. Huh? Because, yep. because if I take a school and I have 20 guys in that school and we've all been there, at the end of the first day, there may be 10 of them left that want to fight bulls. Now, there's two more days of school that you paid money for. You got mm-hmm. the wheels under you to get through it? Yeah. Right. You know I, we, otherwise, Otherwise, you're just wasting your money. you know and and if you you want to gain from this you're going to come here we're going to teach you the proper set of fundamentals and there are there are some guys that i have seen that at the end of three days have the talent to go play Mm -hmm. but to think that you're just going to come to a school and at the end of three days i'm going to sign for your pro card you better think again right yeah there you go uh, go. and you got it because because you guys are sitting at the house drinking a cold beer and you watch frank and jesse and shorty and you know watch them guys running around out there at the PBR well they make it look pretty damn easy yeah but because you know, they're the best a lifetime of work yeah because they're the best and they've got damn near 20 years a piece under their belts yeah. you know i mean yeah. it, it doesn't just come easy
1: yeah that's
0: right cool Rob, hey, Rob, I, got a, I got one what? more i got one more <laughs> i do i do i got
1: one more question and cut. and uh because i had this picture cut out and on my wall at one time and i don't know what you know, everybody's got one of their favorite images or whatever, but I'm going to go, it was a Karen Martin photo. Um, I believe you're in Cali somewhere you're fighting a red Mexican. It's
3: at Salinas with his tail cracked up over his back.
1: Iconic, iconic yeah. four, photo. Four, you got a big four, one four, of those four. hanging in your house.
3: I've got, I've got them. Yes, sir. That one in the, and then I've got a really cool picture that uh, Gustafson took of me fighting crooked nose. Yep. Yeah. At, at Colorado Springs, okay, that's a that's a cool picture. Unfortunately, there, I'll I'll bra- I'm gonna brag one time. Yes, the, the only Please man sir. that jumped crooked nose over the barrel.
1: Yep, guy, that guy. It, 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 in, a,
3: in, a, in a wrangler bullfight with nobody sa- setting it myself.
1: Okay, right. Setting yeah, the timing, everything's got the stars got to line up for that to you work know? on that.
3: And the thing about it was, I told Harry Vold that day. I said, "Get you a good." They, you know how Harry, they always used to have him seats made on his bucking shoots. Yeah. And I said, "You make sure you got you a good seat today, and don't fall out of that chair. I'm going over that one horned bull." <laughs> oh, said, you can't do that. I said, "You just watch." <laughs> I, I got him, Pres- Prescott, Arizona.
0: Oh, that's Uh-oh. cool. That right there really segues into our our infamous question for the show. What what it what that means? So, Scott, you can ask our, our question.
1: Holy cow, Rob! I mean, it was so cool talking to you today, and you know, three three bullfighters sitting here having a chat with uh, I the mean, legend. the legend, the legend himself. Um, we uh, it was great. Um, this is the hashtag NFP podcast, and uh, as always, we're wondering what does NFP mean to you.
3: So NFP, I mean, <laughs> the most important thing is you got to be able to get up. In, in this job you know we're, we're all going to hit on the floor whether it's uh, the boxing ring the bullfighting ring whatever you're going to hit on the floor anybody it's e- that once again that billy williams was talking the other day you know it's it's easy to be a champion and to smile when everything's working right but what where, where, where what are you at and what have you got in your tank when when you've been knocked on your ass and all of us now, now you're scared and you got to get back up and we've yep. all we've all been there yep you know oh, we've, yeah. all, we've, we've all been there when that bull when that bull run a horn in me in salt lake city in 1985 four and a half inches at the base of my spine and made his own hole huh? and yeah. i'm laying in the dressing room and all i can hear miles going oh god oh god <laughs> said, if you haven't got anything positive to say would you get the hell out of here <laughs> i mean i could just i remember i remember being in the salt palace and miles had said him and i jumped that six e as kirbys and he run that horn in me and i remember reaching down in my baggies and going like this and i just just blood everywhere you know and all i can feel is heat and i don't know how bad things are you know and and they're already thinking in three days i'm supposed to be in joseph oregon you know it's (laughs) amazing the things that are going through your head and you're just on i'm already thinking about getting back up and not only getting back up but that the next thing i'm thinking about is as soon as I get back to fighting bulls at any rodeo, the first thing I got to do is jump one because if I don't, every perf that I go out there and I don't jump one, it's going to be that much harder. That that You got bucked off. You got to get back on the horse. I mean, it's not the thing that I was known for by, because I wasn't a funny man was that I was the daredevil. I got to go do it.
0: Yeah. The The kamikaze. kamikaze. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
3: Please, but I, I want to correct one thing, too.
0: Okay.
3: I was blessed to work with a bunch of great guys. The most important thing to me was to go into the Hall of Fame. Because not not, not that Rob Smets was the best bullfighter. But Wick Pester, Skipper Voss, Miles Hare, Rob Smets, all, all the list, and the list goes on and on. They got to mention me. Yeah, I'm not
1: going to forget you now
3: for, for, for them. I, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about for anybody to say that I was the best. That's an argument for those that watched it. You know what I mean? Yep. For mm. for, for me to say that I, I was the best. You, you ain't going to get that out of me to say that I made the Hall of Fame. That's what wor- that was the goal that I wanted to be. And my wife, Carla, at first, she was like, it's all you're you're so egotistical. You're bad. I said, no, it's not about that. But if I'm going to play a game, it's just like what I talked about earlier. I don't want to be in the middle. Yep. I don't want to be in the middle. I want, to, I want to play ball. I want to be able to say he could play ball with the best of them. That's a, oh. that's the most important. And that's what if every day we go out there, I listen to Leonard Skinner's my favorite band, Freebird. Yes. What, right. If I leave here tomorrow, yep. will yep. you still remember me? Yeah. Yeah. You go out there and fight bulls. Like his day could be your last day.
4: Wow. Love it. Well said.
0: I, I, I
3: know we're at the end of the show, but I got to share one more quick deal. Oh yeah. It's all one. you.
0: Yeah, that's Dust, cool.
3: Dust, Dusty Tuckness gets, gets ready to get to the His first NFR and he doesn't get in. He makes, makes the cut of the final five guys and he ends up as the alternate and it, he didn't get in, you know, and he called me up and we're talking on the phone and, and I said, okay, Dusty. I said, here's your song. It's a long ways to the top if you want to rock, rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. right? So, so all that next year, whenever I would call Tuckness on his phone, my ring was, it's a long ways to the It's a long ways to the top if you want to rock and roll. Well, the next year he calls me and he gets the NFR. Yeah. And I said, Okay, Tuck, here's your song now, Leonard Skinnard, free Freebird. Yeah. If I leave here tomorrow, will you still remember me?
0: Yeah.
3: And wow. I said, "Now go fight! Now go fight bulls like like you want to be remembered." <laughs> oh, that's nice. good stuff. That
1: <laughs> is oh, really that's good.
0: gold. Yeah, that's pure yeah. gold. Okay, Rob, man. Well, like uh, I got papers and papers. These guys got questions on questions. So we're definitely you'll be a return guest if you if you would want to. I be, would be honored, guys. Uh, oh, yeah.
3: What a what a day you guys. Got- <laughs> My motor's
0: running. I'm fired. Mine <laughs> yeah, too. go <laughs> don't
3: find us oh, some old cripple ones and we'll, we'll
0: check out. Go step them. Okay. Oh. That's gold, brother. We appreciate you very much coming on the NFP podcast
1: presented by 3D Energy. Lord, can change.